feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call college rule! Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Dom and Chris here, just a couple local Tucson comedians who like talking about sports and sports-related things, uh, recording live down here at Engel Studio, which is downtown for all of your audio needs. And Chris, who do we got today? Uh, we're talking about the 93 Phillies, one of the best turnaround seasons and maybe uh, biggest collapses at the end. And we got a special guest. Who do we have today? Today, we have Charles Ludwig with us. Charles, how you doing, big guy? I'm doing great, guys. It's... Yeah. Uh... It's fantastic. I wouldn't call it a collapse. We'll get into that. <laughs> no. I wanted to say something. <laughs> Chernobyl that I knew meltdown, it. maybe not yeah. a collapse, but similar in a way to the, what we just saw yeah. in October of 2022 mm-hmm. into true. November. Yeah, just losing to a better team that was really good. Was that nostalgic? <laughs> it was eerily familiar. Nostalgic. Yeah, but we'll get into it. It was different also because this year's fills weren't good the whole year. You yeah. know, they just kind of got hot. Ninety-three. Yeah, yeah we'll that's very I'm happy true. to talk about it. It was a uh, one of the first years I paid attention to as a young Phillies fan, and uh, I remember it like the back of my hand. Well, we'll see how good I remember it based on the notes we have here. But, but you so. grew up uh, here in Tucson. I yeah. did. Yeah, my dad's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, though, and uh, so I just kind of adopted his teams as my teams when I was a kid. There was no D-backs back then. Yep. Yeah, I did that's live how in I Pennsylvania be. for one year. That's how I, I became a, a Knicks fan. Yeah. Is that my dad brought it over? See, and was, our yeah. parents do this too. Yeah, yeah I my know. mom was a Steelers fan because Arizona had no pro sports teams. Yes, we have to zones. root for their shitty teams. We have to get their alcoholism genes in mm-hmm. us. And all. Yes, <laughs> I could go for a beer. What yeah, time yeah. is it? Eleven thirty. All right, open yeah. a cold one. I think yeah, eleven thirty. All right. Yeah. Well, jumping right in here, the '93 Phillies are an interesting story because. After the 1983 season, when they lost in the World Series to Baltimore, in came about a decade of depression for this organization because the team was getting older. Pete Rose is gambling and leaving the team. Um, Mike Schmidt is getting older as he's headed towards a Hall of Fame career. And from 84 to 92, they had six managers and outside of an 86 and 75 second place finish to the 86 Mets, they finished 500 or worse every single season after that World Series appearance. But... Hope comes in the form in 1991 when Jim Fregosi is hired as manager, who we brought up in our Nolan Ryan episode. Yep. Yep, that's right. But uh, 92 was kind of the rock bottom because the season previous, their newly acquired center fielder, Lenny Dykstra, and face of the franchise, Darren Dalton, got in a car accident. Um, which resulted from a bachelor party for <laughs> yeah. first baseman John Crook, who we'll get into later. That was in Reading, Pennsylvania, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In Reading, Pennsylvania, boys will be boys. So <laughs> yeah. they just kind of swept that one. <laughs> they uh, uh, Dykstra had a BAC and r- drove his red Mercedes into a tree of .18. Of .18, which at that time was probably still legal. <laughs> yeah. They were at Smokey Joe's Bar, and they basically bottomed out in 91, and then in 92, they finished last in the NL East. Yeah. And not a lot of hope, but you were talking previously about the end of 92, Charles. Uh, Yeah, I was like 10 years old, and I remember watching a game at the end of the season. They were playing Atlanta, so I was watching TBS. And in my 10-year-old mind, I was like, well, we're going to be good in 93 because we're already focusing on 93. We're already getting prepared right now. (laughs) 
So I, I actually was optimistic heading into 93, and as fate would have it, I was probably not right uh, as far as the reasons. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, I did see something about them talking about 92, uh, Dalton being the cooler, fucking stepping in. Yes, he did. And, well, he was talking about it. He was just like, I actually had the – I won the RBI title as a catcher that year. Yep. And in the clubhouse – and this is kind of, it's like kind of messed up to say, and it'll kind of ring true later on. They literally were like, we could be a good team if we get some relief pitching <laughs> that kind of sticks. And because he was talking about how many runs they scored, I think they were actually second in runs behind the Pirates, but yeah. they were so bad at giving up. Like it, they, they were essentially losing like eight, seven games like that in yeah. 92, but they were saying like, our offense is actually good, especially with like Lenny leading off and just like all this stuff that you kind of look at. You're like, this could be a good team. Yeah. The the thing that I love about them talking in '92, they were like, we all used to just go to the bars all the time <laughs> together, and they had never been on a team like that. Like everybody were, was more professional, like going home kind of shit like that. And they were just like, no, 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 we just go get hammered all the time and talk baseball. And I was like, that's the kind of team I want. <laughs> yeah. Going into '93, that's like the feeling that I want. Was they were like, no, 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 we can get runs. Yeah, that was it. Stop teams. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is that camaraderie that was built um, researching this team is a lot of these players were not homegrown talent. Dalton right. was really the only guy kind of brought up in their organization. A lot of these guys came from other teams that were like castoffs or Philadelphia had traded for, particularly their starting pitching staff. Yeah. All five guys were on a different team to start their career or at least one different team. Yeah. So I, mean, I remember it before 93, the only pitcher that starter that we thought was good in my mind was Terry Mulholland. Yeah. And they Schilling got hadn't from, really gotten yeah. together yet. Right. And he, they had got him from the Giants. And I don't I remember Tommy Green before 93 either. So yeah, he'd yeah. come over from Atlanta. Uh, Rivera also was from Atlanta and then yeah. Schilling as we'll get into. We already did an episode on him and go. Yeah. Well, he's a great guy. <laughs> he's a, a great guy. man. He's a guy. I do like when you mentioned they're hanging out at bars. So obviously the uh, two best players on the team nearly dying in a DUI <laughs> really influenced them. <laughs> but it like it literally didn't deter them. That yeah. was the no. thing going into 93. Yeah. That's what they were talking about. They were just like, yeah, no, we're, we're still the same. And <laughs> the, there were just like so many great quotes with them. Like I, I I think it was Dalton. He was just like, you know, the warden, excuse me, the GM was telling us, <laughs> it, was, it was just like, that's the end. Just like how Dom's dressed right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> You don't have to give a shit. Just produce results. <laughs> right. Which that was something yeah. else I feel like comes with these guys that were kind of not like overlooked, but not given, yeah. you know, the, the right time at their, at their original teams. And then going to Philadelphia, they all play unbelievably hard. And they were saying they all knew their role going into 93, yeah. which sometimes is unclear at bigger teams where they're trying to like – coddled stars and shit like that what man i'm cursing a lot for the first uh, bit here <laughs> it's 93 phillies man. It's that's 93 it not <laughs> let's do it man let's get into it there was a great i just wanted to bring up this one story so that yeah. one of their outfielders who was platooning and i believe a right field jim eisenreich he had come to philadelphia in 93 and he had tourette's or he has tourette's syndrome and after he was diagnosed, a lot of his teammates in Minnesota and Kansas City kind of would like stay away from him or like really? not want to get to know him. And the first day he walks into spring training, John Crux sees that he's kind of a quiet, reserved guy, and he nicknames him Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> 
And then later, Eisenreich's wife came up to Kruk and said, thank you for including my husband. <laughs> well, he really needed this. Well, she said that once that he came out uh, at having Tourette's that he felt like he wasn't part of the clubhouse anymore. Yeah. And they immediately started making fun of him like the way that they did with everybody else. And she was like, thank you for that. He, <laughs> he needed that, you yeah. know, like, yeah. But uh, when he arrived on the Phillies, was he like, does everyone on this team have Tourette's? <laughs> 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 yeah. Random profanities getting thrown out there. Yeah. It was definitely the Fit team. Right in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, everyone needs one guy like that, though. Yeah. One, one guy to just be like, all right, maybe just take it back, a scotch. But uh, 92 was so embarrassing, though, for Philadelphia that they were picking the expansion Marlins to finish ahead of them in the NL East and everybody's preseason predictions and wow. stuff like that. So, But they get off hot. <clears throat> they get off hot to a hot start this season. Um, they roll into Houston and uh, get a three-game sweep. And this is when you start seeing the pitching staff kind of forming. Like. Well, let me bring up this little uh, preseason gem that I saw. Okay. Um, because there was some kind of heat. Somebody would, like, pitched inside. And then the – because, I mean, they were, like, ready for the season because going into it. And this is uh, spring training. I forgot what uh, – who they were playing, but then the Phillies pitcher just straight up like beams whoever, and there's a straight oh, they're up like, Cardinals, yeah, Cardinals, and there's like a bench clearing, and they were like, I think it was uh, Mitch Williams or somebody was just like, no, 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 we cleared the benches during spring training. We were so ready for this season, and that's like probably what you look at with going into '92, where you see a bunch of guys who were like, kind of meh, like not as into it and then in 93 it felt like the entire <clears throat> clubhouse was into it right off of the bat and yeah because you never see that in spring training you'll never see it nowadays you barely see it in the regular season exactly <laughs> like, so I mean, like that was the energy going into it was you know well the interesting lenny dykstra energy i feel like yeah lenny you know? dykstra it's a lot better than cheryl miller energy well don't get me started on cheryl <laughs> Do you know her brother plays basketball? <laughs> I've heard about that. I think I heard that on Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But uh, <clears throat> 93 is interesting in the NL East, though, because the Pirates, who had won the last three years, they've let go of Barry Bonds. All of their right. best players are gone. So it's wide open between <clears throat> everyone in the division, including the Phillies. Yep. And yeah. they kind of seize that window of opportunity to where, hey, Atlanta's not here yet. Right. Let's, you know. Make a run at this thing. Um, now, is 93, was there some sort of realignment with the Marlins coming in where the Braves were moved to the West? No, they were. They had been in the West since okay. they were in Atlanta because MLB didn't understand geography right. for about a quarter century. I, I have an uncle who's a Giants fan, and he always looks back on 93, and he blames the Cubs for the NLCS not being Giants-Braves yep. because the Cubs whined about being in the NL West or something. Oh, they were, and they that's were in why the, East, the Giants yeah. got moved there. Mm-hmm. And and they put the Cubs in the East. I don't know. This is his crybaby uh, Giants thing. But <laughs> it worked out well for the Phillies. The, yeah, we'll get into later. But I think the yeah. Braves and Giants both won a lot more games than the Phillies. Uh, 100, 403, yeah. 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 But not to sneeze at Philadelphia, though. Yeah. They had a no. um, great uh, April. They spent um, outside of one day during the regular season. Every day was spent in first place. Wow. Yeah. Um, they finished April up four and a half games with a 17 and five record. And you really start seeing the offense kind of, they're almost a money ball team before money ball existed because it was a lot of high on base percentage with uh, pitch selection and walks and just dudes who could flat out rake. Yeah. Wasn't Billy in the team? 
Huh? Wasn't Billy Bean in the team or no? No, he wasn't with right. Philadelphia. I'm just saying pre-Moneyball because they were kind of doing similar I just, things. Yeah. <laughs> I remember he played for Philly at one point. So I, I was just, I just, yeah, I'm just trying to think like, was this the year? <laughs> um, but you're so right in which they, and they rotated their team a lot more. They like platooned that, a lot, which they, was yes. different from that. Because yeah. in what, in left field, they had Milt Thompson and Pete Incavelia, who absolute stud of a man yeah. with the flowing mullet and the beer gut just knocking dingers and then uh, in right field you had uh, Eisenreich and uh, West Chamberlain and then Mariano Duncan would play pretty much all over the infield yeah yep. and what Mickey Morandini was on the team yeah he would play second quite a bit right second base yeah I don't remember I remember who ended the year at shortstop I'm sure we'll get into that yeah but who was the shortstop at the start of the season I don't Estrada or uh there was one bell and then Duncan would play there okay yeah because, you know, National League, no designated hitter right. at this time. Right. Thank God that they yeah. changed that. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, but Dykstra is the main star of this team. Yeah. He has arguably, I mean, if it wasn't for Barry Bonds, as we talked about in that episode, just being an absolute monster, Dykstra probably should have won the MVP. Yes. yes. I think he finished second that year. Yep. And he was the table setter from the game. And he was healthy all year, which yeah. was kind of a rarity at that point for him. Because he was car accidents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because in 92, he got hit on opening day on his hand. Oh, yeah. So he missed most of that season, too. So you had the uh, engine of the team, and he talked about bribing umpires as well to give him a more favorable strike zone in his wonderful autobiography. Yeah. How much of it is true, I don't know, but that's kind of hilarious. I don't want to cast shadows on this Phillies team, but let's be honest, because Dykstra was. uh, I saw an interview where he showed up to spring in the best shape of his career. Oh, yeah. This was the Just time for so it. so much muscle mass. And reporters asked him, what, what did you do? And he said, I've been taking magical pills. <laughs> so, you know. It- you Bond just won't see a out. time like this anymore. This yeah. may be what was, led to Bonds yeah, right. eventually. This little motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I was taking <laughs> magical pills. Yeah. That's what he said. God, you gotta respect I love the it. honesty, and it's before not, you know the strike and all that, so it's oh, not a big it's deal. Just so like, good. Yeah. And I feel like reporters were like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Philly's up. Yeah. <laughs> but he led uh, MLB that year in plate appearances, uh, led the NL in at bats, uh, Major League Baseball with 143 runs, and the NL in hits with 194. But those power numbers, 19 dingers. I don't know if he hit 19 previous to that when he was with the Mets. So yeah. possibly some chemical enhancement. But yeah. when your table setters there. It's not your Brady Anderson or... Uh, yeah, right. Gonzalez level, but mm-hmm. just yeah. the one off season where you go, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, what happened? Yeah. But uh, like <clears throat> I was saying before, a lot of these guys did come from other organizations, including their amazing first baseman. <laughs> Broke my heart as a child when San Diego traded him away because he told the owner's wife Joan Croc to fuck off after an at bat. <laughs> John Croc, oh Crocker. <laughs> If uh, you're not familiar, John Cruck was a heavy set first baseman. Really, all he could do was rake, but he did rake very well. Yeah. Um, hit 316 that year, scored 100 runs, just a line to line hitter, 33 doubles, 14 dingers, and 111 walks. And was wow. an all star that year. It was yeah. a very famous uh, all star yeah. game, I believe, with <laughs> yeah. John Cruck. Um, they're playing at Camden Yards. Uh, he's facing Randy Johnson, the bird murderer. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Takes a fastball upstairs and decides, you know what? I think what was the quote? He said, uh, "I had a choice. Do I want to get a hit or do I want to live?" Yeah. 
But no, uh, Crucker finished the at-bat with uh, basically his helmet on backwards and yeah. free swinging at balls completely out of the strike zone. Yeah, and standing way at the back of the box. Yeah. Kind of yeah. looking like it maybe back before the DH, if you ever saw an American League reliever somehow bat in a World Series <laughs> Oh, my game. God. Like, oh, yeah. That's what he looked like. <laughs> We're headed to extras. Let the comedy begin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they were, I mean, uh, they, like I said, they finished um, or the season, obviously, in first place. But yeah. throughout the entire season, they were in first place. In May, they went 17-10 and 10 to uh, go 34-15 and 15 for the year. Yeah. And uh, at this time, they're pretty much humming along because nobody, the Cardinals and Expos really aren't catching them. Right. Like, they are kind of have control of the NL East while the NL West is being decided by two monsters. Right, and the Giants, I think, had a big lead, and then the Braves got McGriff because the yeah. Padres are the gift oh, that yeah. keeps oh, giving. Oh, they, are the, they were <laughs> oh, the yeah. 90s version of just, here you go, <clears throat> all-star, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, you bastards. <laughs> there was a, um, a game uh, during the summer where they had just traded Gary Sheffield for a reliever named Trevor Hoffman, uh -huh. and there was a doubleheader where they were playing the Padres, and it started because of rain at about 1 a.m., and it goes into extra innings, and Trevor Hoffman comes into the game and gives up a single to Mitch, Mitch Williams. Mitchy Poo. Mitchy Poo, present, that was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a relief pitcher batting to win the game, the first of many Trevor Hoffman blown saves. <laughs> but, oh, God. But, no, they uh, Philadelphia is absolutely killing yeah. it by the summertime. Anything you want to add? One thing I was going to say about Kruk is uh, – the, the thing that was fun about the 93 Phillies, I feel like a lot of the league was rooting, a lot of fans were rooting for them. They're oh, the yeah. The ultimate underdogs. And I think Kruk kind of helped bring the personality of the team actually to a national level. He, You can go back on YouTube and find him getting interviewed on David Letterman. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he's such an affable, funny guy. Like, I think he's interviewed during the 92 season, and he's asked, why do you uh, put so much gum? Yeah. He, he uses like 30 pieces <laughs> of gum to start a game, and he goes, well... With our pitching staff, I know I'm going to be out there a long time, you know, in the field. And uh, and uh, he talked about when Mitch Williams came to the team. Yep. I think he had Mitch Williams' number that Mitch Williams wanted. Yeah. Uh -huh. And, he changed and so it. they worked out a trade because Mitch Williams had bought his wife all this jewelry with the number. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to rebuy the jewelry, Kruk. Help me out. And Kruk gave him the number for uh, 264 packs of Miller High Life or something. That is <laughs> that amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, if you go back and watch those interviews, they're hilarious. He talks about playing in Colorado for the first time in 93. Yeah, how much Walking and telling the first base coach that if there's a hit, he's not going to run. Because yeah. he's, <laughs> yeah. he's winded from walking to first base. And, Here's yeah. my range factor. Yeah, yeah. So. There yeah, a, you're right. He was like the the guy that was like appealing to non-Phillies fans yeah. where you were like, this guy is cool. And then everybody kind of had that look especially in that 93 era of just kind of like Zumbas. And that was like, <laughs> Zubas. Cool, like the, it, it really was a cool <clears throat> looking team where bullets, mustaches, yep. beards, and yeah. both overweight <laughs> and in shape guys. Like they literally had the full, like, you know what I mean? Spectrum of like just dudes. It yeah. was just like a clubhouse of dudes. You have like Dalton and Hollins, like who would take their shirts off at the pool and right. nobody else yeah. on the team. would. Yep. <laughs> like I think it could be like, would. I, I don't he know. would, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're a Guido, you take it off. I mean, I think if he had the body of like if you watch strongest man competitions, it's not <laughs> like well formed, shredded muscle. That's no. just a but you know it's mass. muscle, yeah. 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 So it's mass just power, it's yeah. mass. So like, we don't even need a conversation about body mass, <laughs> <Yep>. Mac. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, I think Kruk also um, was portrayed by Chris Farley on an episode of Two yeah. of Saturday yeah. Night Live. Oh, so good. And that's perfect right there, oh, Farley and Kruk. 100%. Yeah. There was a quote he had at that <clears throat> spring training. He was drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette, and some woman comes up to him and says, you're a professional athlete. How can you do this to yourself? <laughs> and he said, I'm not an athlete, ma'am. I'm a ball player. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But that was the mentality of this whole team. Yeah. It was just like, do everything to win. If we get some pitching, Lord willing, we will find ourselves in postseason contention. Yep. And they kind of drop off a little in the summer. They yeah. have like a little let up in those dog days where you just kind of see that in a lot of teams. So like they get into July, I think they were like 52 and 25. Mm-hmm. And everyone was just like, what the hell is happening? Like I imagine <laughs> from 92 to that point, you know, halfway or whatever in July. And you're just like, this is crazy. Yeah. You like know? you're like, not expecting it. Like, cause yeah. of just what had happened. Cause you had the Mets there in the late eighties, then the pirates rolling in. And then yep. you're like, who is this team? And yeah. how do they keep winning? Um, I think a big reason, though, why was the emergence of Kurt Schilling as their ace. I was just going to say, they had a bunch of their starting pitchers that really came. And Schilling, you saw really, I I feel like this was his coming out party. All of the guys had almost career years, excluding Danny Jackson, who had a good year, but then came through huge in the playoffs. But Schilling, this is his first year as like a bona fide top of the rotation guy. Um, and at and the end of the year, his ERA though was a little over four, right? So did he, uh, or was it under four? I no, it was just over four. Okay. But he had seven complete games, right? Yep. Which is we have to remember this is the steroid era, and if you look back at aces, they were yeah, it not was unhittable. Three fifty right? plus, yeah. unless you're Greg Maddox or somebody, right. mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, Tommy Green won sixteen games. Ben Rivera won thirteen. Yeah. And then Mulholland and Jackson each won twelve. Yeah. And then Schilling had sixteen wins. So when you're getting that type of productivity out of five guys, that's yeah. pretty much amazing. And Williams had a ton of saves. That was yeah. the yeah. other thing. A ton even of the, saves and even wins too. Yeah. Because yep. of the blown saves. Yep. And if we could have had the mindset back then of getting more than one good reliever, it would have helped us yeah. later on. But no team really. Was in that. We're mindset. just happy with having one closer. Yeah, and that's. <laughs> it was just kind of a mishmash of dudes. Yeah. It was Roger Mason, David West, uh, Larry Anderson was forty. He was on that eighty-three team that went to the World yeah. Series. Yeah, him and Dalton, who was like basically a September call-up, were the only guys yeah. left from that era because they had pretty much drained their yeah. um, organ or their uh, farm system by that point. I had a uh, VHS tape in the early nineties of sports bloopers. Oh yeah. <laughs> And there was a segment on there with uh, Kruk and Larry Anderson. Yes, I've seen. Oh had a, God! Had a spray can of spray-on hair that they used to have for bald people, and they were <laughs> spraying it on their foreheads, making themselves look like Eddie Munster. And <laughs> they put it on yeah. his head, and Mitch Williams walks in. And he's like, "Oh my God, yeah, yeah. you got hair!" Yeah, yeah. They, but they struggled to kind of put in that middle relief, though. I remember yeah. they brought in Mark Davis, who had won a Cy Young in San Diego as their closer. Uh, back in, I think, 89, and it just never panned out for them. Yeah. They just kept winning games with strong starting pitching and, you know, the guys in their lineup just raking. Yeah. Well, and really going starting pitching to Williams. There, like, there was so much more of that than you'll ever see now yeah. where, where it really was and complete games. <clears throat> like, yeah. you were saying, Dave- Schilling at seven. Exactly. Like, Not the Dave Roberts style of managing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when, when we were talking about how these guys were, it was just a bunch of drunk goofballs, basically. Yeah. 
And I'm re- realizing before 93, I don't remember when he stopped being a Philly, but we had Dale Murphy. Oh, yeah, Mr. Mormon. Yeah, and it might have been addition <laughs> it was by the year subtraction. Before, yeah. You know, he's a great player. Like, I can't imagine he was happy with these shenanigans no. going on. Well, I, yeah. I saw a quote going into 93. They said, we had 24 morons and one Mormon. <laughs> yeah. And that was like... Just the way the Phillies were. You Wait, know? the guy in his special underwear isn't here? Oh, it's time to party. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, it's busted out. <laughs> Wives, plural? I don't think so. They uh, don't do that anymore, and they didn't back then. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to get uh, baseball players are known. Here, yeah, yeah, for not. <laughs> Come on. No, but you could see how like he's just not the right fit for that team. You know? Yes, plus he's a brave and yeah. You know. And then in the as we'll get to in the playoffs, he's in the Braves clubhouse, palling oh, around Dale with Murphy them. Was. Yeah. Oh wow, I never yeah. realized that. Wow. Uh, when they meet each other, but yeah, they have kind of that uh, late summer dog days uh, issue. They're uh, up by six games, uh, sixty six and thirty nine. Yeah. Um, by July. And then in August, they go 16 and 11, and you're thinking, oh, we're up nine and a half. This is our division to completely win. And then they have some big issues in September where St. Louis has fallen off, but Montreal is catching them. And this is the Montreal. Montreal's one year away. They're one year away from winning that. Oh, no, they didn't have the World Series. Thank goodness they didn't gel like they did in 94 for the whole season. Oh, I know, right? Um, they kept referring back to the 64 season um, in Philadelphia, <laughs> which is like arguably, I mean, it's not <clears throat> Mets level collapse in terms of being hilarious. This was just actually depressing to yeah. learn about. Um, in 64, they basically blew a huge lead with like maybe, maybe a week to go. Gene mm-hmm. Mock is manager. Yep. My dad tells me he made some pitching choices. Yeah. They went to a three man rotation. They went to a three man rotation. Didn't work yeah. out. But uh, they kept referring to the fold of 64. Um, their lead was down to uh, four games or with 15 left to play oh boy. Um, after a walk-off loss against the Expos. But they ended up putting together a four-game win streak, and on September 28th, 93, they win 10-7 against the Pirates to clinch the NL East, this lovable band of throwbacks. That's awesome. Um, finished 97 and 65, um, up three on the Expos, yeah. which is crazy to think that they won 97 <clears throat> games to win their division, and in the NL West, it takes 104. And it came down the last day of the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about it in the Bonds episode where yeah. they uh, Atlanta got hot, they got to play the expansion Rockies, and the Giants had to play the Dodgers. Right. Yep. And Mike Piazza, with his mullet, just absolutely destroyed yeah. them. I saw a quote on Mike Piazza, and he said the reason why he grew his hair out like that was because murderers row. And, or, I'm macho sorry, row. Macho yeah. row. Excuse me. But that's literally, he was just like, that was my influence coming into the league, where I was like, those dudes are bad yeah. ass. And I was like, he did look like, not like he was in that clubhouse, but like a kid watching them and being like, I want to be cool like and them. And he's a Philly yeah. guy, too. He's yeah, from he Eastern PA. I don't know what was going on with scouting back then, but I, I believe I've read that Piazza was kind of signed by the Dodgers as a Favor. courtesy, but yeah. uh, yep. sort of. Yep. Yeah. Well, he couldn't. He was dad. He yeah. wasn't even a catcher. He was just like a good hitter. Yeah. And he had pitchers that were like furious with him. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you couldn't throw anybody out on the bases. Yep. But when you hit over 400 dingers, I was going to say okay. that, yeah. People tend to look the other way. Couple things real quick. We yeah. mentioned Tommy Green. I remember. So we had the stars playing well. We had the pitching coming together. 
two guys on the roster that kind of felt like at the time they came out of nowhere and had great seasons. Yeah, go ahead. Tommy Green and Dave Hollins. Yeah. Dave Hollins, I think, was an all-star. Yeah. Dave Hollins a was a base. former Padre prospect yeah. who was selected. <laughs> this is just – when I read through all of this, it's just like, you could have had these bastards. Yeah, and I believe we'll face some Padres in the World Series as well. Yes, <laughs> okay. quite a few. Yeah. One of them very heartbreaking yeah. for me. But Hollins was a switch-hitting third baseman. Yep. Yep. Um, he had uh, over 90 RBIs that year, uh, close to 20 dingers. Um, played some good defense at yeah. times, as yeah. we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, that's all you Man, wanted. This sounds real familiar now with Alec Baum. Yeah, playing good defense at times, at you times know? Yeah. getting some hits. Wow! And he kind of emerged as a nice middle of the order to uh, threat yeah. to protect Dalton, and then get to the yeah. bottom of the lineup. And See, I think that was as big as anything. These kind of guys having their best years, like you talked about, along with the stars being healthy. And he had a rock and mullet, too. Yep. Um, the other thing I want to say is September 93, it's awesome. The Phillies clinched the division. And Boy Meets World debuts with Corey Matthews. As a Phillies a Philly fan. fan. Oh, yep. my gosh. It's nuts, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad that you made the first Boy Meets World <laughs> reference because I was like, if I do it, it's just going to look bad because I've yeah. done it like eight times already. So. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Green um, had a 3.42 ERA, um, seven complete games also like wow. Schilling, and 200 innings pitched. And this was like his best <laughs> season in Major League Baseball because yep. he was a trade piece for Dale Murphy, actually. Yeah. So wow. he um, was in that deal headed to Philadelphia from Atlanta, who at the time just had pitching prospects. What did the, the Phillies ass. give up for Murphy? I don't remember. Uh, I forget who they ended up giving him. I thought he was a free agent up. signing. No, okay. uh-uh. mm. they had traded him to Philadelphia yeah. to get better again. Get it's that. amazing to hear about all these complete games, and it's the steroid era of hitters. Yeah. And now we don't have steroids. You barely we see have guys, guys go that strike five. out a lot, yeah. and there's. I don't think there were seven complete games in the entire no. major leagues no. this year. Yeah, so. Roy Halladay was the last of his kind, yeah. I believe, Yeah, the former Phillies pitcher. Yeah. Um, but make it to the postseason. Oddly enough, I was going through their um, records against teams in 93 in the National League because yeah. he didn't have interleague play. They actually had a losing record against one team in the National League, and it was the Giants, yeah. really? oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Which tough, tough that would team. have been a very interesting series. Yeah, I, feel I know. Like. I remember being happy when the Braves beat out the Giants yeah. for that reason, probably because Bonds is doing just now Bonds things. Keeping it about <laughs> Phillies, but I remember one of my favorite quotes from an interview ever came from Will Clark. Oh, on God. the day they they I think they got spanked by the Dodgers on the last yeah, day of the season. They got murdered. And I was watching Sports Center as a young man, and uh, <laughs> Will Clark is shirtless at just looking pissed at his uh, locker. Will Clark, the uh, first baseman for the Giants. He and that famous asshole. Yeah. Just a douchebag. I don't blame him, though, because some of the questions these guys Oh, no, asked, no, so, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about overall. Yeah. But in the moment, I totally agree with you, Will. So the reporter just asks him, you know, hey, Will, uh, what went wrong out there? You know? <laughs> and Will just looking like he's burning a hole through this guy. What went wrong? I think what went wrong is we got our asses kicked. I think that's what went wrong. We went in with a plan to not get our asses kicked, and uh, then we did get our asses kicked. He just like laid laid it out there, you know. Because he knew he was leaving after the season too. He oh, was, was he yeah, he was free agent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I could see him being very upset and knowing yeah. that the NLCS would have been played against. Plus, the they team had. You're good I think against. they had a big lead. After, but the Braves got did. so hot with McGriff. Yeah, yeah. They, mm-hmm. they, what Atlanta basically did, if you're not familiar and haven't heard me rant on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. Atlanta said, there's an all-star first baseman in San Diego. He's led both the National League and the American League in home runs, and we need an upgrade over Sid Bream. <laughs> so what we're going to do is not take our best prospects like Chipper Jones and Ryan Klesko oh, 
Yeah. We're going to trade the person equivalent of a washing machine <laughs> and see if they take it. And they did. <laughs> they did. Oh, but they got it. McGriff was awesome that season. For you Atlanta. told me this yeah, washing yeah. machine thing so much, I thought it was a washing machine. <laughs> Who's the player that's the equivalent it's of a It's Melvin Yevis and oh. like two other guys that okay. were like l- mid to low level Braves prospects right. that they gave up. Sheesh. And the reason that San Diego did this and they traded Sheffield, they didn't obviously think Trevor Hoffman would be a Hall of Famer. They were yeah. just shedding payroll. The and because Tony So they Gwynn traded was, Sheffield to the Marlins. Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought they gave him up in the expansion no or something they traded him in the summer he just won wow. a batting title <laughs> like unbelievable but they wow. were just cutting salary the, that the was only person only... that they were paying was tony gwynn because if they had traded tony gwynn or let him go free agent with the mcdonald's the... money yeah shedding... no, no no they had new ownership <laughs> at this okay. point yeah joe because wow. crack i think was traded in 90 <clears throat> for uh craig james's brother wow so and a 64 pack of miller Light. Light. yeah <laughs> coming on in oh, Not, shit. no light for those guys that's uh, <laughs> true. They, they do live the high life. Yeah. That is very true. They drink the champagne of beers, yeah. and that's the, what they drink. Yes. That's Coors. You're getting mixed up now. No, no. <laughs> that's... The, oh, Coors is the banquet beer. Yes. Coors is the banquet rock. They all have some free to smack me. Yeah. I don't know what I'm <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, and they head into the postseason, which, uh, well, it's a clash of styles, shall I say. Yeah. A clash of styles, because you have the Braves, who have just won are heading to their third consecutive NLCS. Yep. And you have the Phillies, who came out of nowhere in last place, almost Major League style, ready to give the world the big shit burger to eat. Yep. <laughs> shit burgers? Yeah. The Braves were a, a great team. Great pitching. David Justice, Ron Gant, right? Terry Pendleton had won an MVP, I think. Yeah, he won that gap year for Bonds. He yeah. could have won, she's four in a row. Yeah, and in addition to Maddox, small like they didn't. Maddox was uh, ninety three as his first year as a Brave, right? Yeah, you just come so over they have Smoltz, Glav, and Avery, and then they add Maddox. Yep, it's almost like the Tommy. Miami Heat. Yeah, you know, LeBron yeah. and Wade and all that. You know, it's. Uh, but the interesting thing, yeah. Maddox is the only guy they didn't draft. Right, they just went out and picked him up. Yep, which is pretty amazing. I was yep. gonna say that farm system, man. They really. Had some prospects and tricked some Padres. <laughs> All right. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, yes, they did. But yeah, so we get into this Braves, which everybody I feel like is going for the Braves. Am I crazy? Just because they're they're coming off such a winning mentality, and they haven't won a World Series yet. Yep. And they had won 104 games, yeah. but as and the 91 and 92 World Series were extremely close. I forgot how yeah. close the 92 one was. They almost came back and won that game six. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah. yeah they so sent to extras. I uh, certainly was not rooting for them. No. I don't think a lot of people were. I remember game one very vividly because Schilling's on the mound. Yeah, so we'll he get into the NLCS. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into it. <laughs> um, October 6, 93, it's at Veteran Stadium because yeah. at that time... Everybody well, wanted an enormous dome carpeted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell where the games are looking back. It could be Cincinnati, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Houston. all of the yeah. cookie-cutter stadiums, yep. the concrete dungeons. Yeah. Where, they have a processing center in the bottom of Veteran Stadium. Yep, they had to, that was for Eagles games. That they was for Eagles games. They had to install okay. a jail uh, in case people got too worked up. But, yeah, as we uh, talked about in our Avery episode, this was his best year, too. Yeah. So he was looking like the ace of Atlanta staff facing Schilling. And he's just absolutely mowing down Atlanta. This is they prob- started Avery in game one. Yeah, was that due to having to spend other guys to win the season, or would they have? That's crazy. Dude. Yeah, I'm wow. thinking. I'm thinking they did, but he. But he was also had a really great season. So yeah. I, th- I feel like star season. He won yeah. 18 games, but he had sustained that injury in San Diego in August mm-hmm. that oh. they weren't diagnosing properly, and he was not 
telling the medical staff, like, what? maybe I need a day off. But yeah. you couldn't yeah. take a day off because you got to catch the Giants. Yeah. Um, Schilling, this is where he starts building his resume is, in my opinion, yeah. one of the best postseason pitchers in Major League Baseball history. Yep. Um, the game is uh, kind of uh, wacky throughout as far as what ends up happening because as we'll yeah. get into Schilling and what happens afterwards, he doesn't win a game right. in this NLCS. Oh, wow. He doesn't get a you single know, win. Stat- a cr- <laughs> yeah, he's not um, you know, recorded. Um, Schilling strikes out the first three hitters to yep. start the game. That's what I remember, and I remember being nervous. It's Atlanta and just feeling peace, like, oh, he's locked in. Yep. I'm sure the rest of the Phillies team felt that way. Well, know? it was important for him to start hot, though, yeah. not only at home, but just, like, show Atlanta, like, hey, yeah. we deserve to be here. Like, we're on your level. Yeah, and these weren't working to count strikeouts. It was no. strike one, two, three, as I remember, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, um, yep. uh, they get an early lead. Kruk has an RBI um, grounder scoring Dykstra after a leadoff, sing- uh, leadoff double, which that was basically the formula all season for yeah. them, was Dykstra get on base and then stake an early lead for your starters and let them cruise. Yeah. Um, the game goes into the ninth inning with um, Philadelphia leading 3-2. to two, And this is where... Mitch Williams comes in because <laughs> yeah. Schilling has pitched eight, struck out seven, given up only the two runs and 10 strikeouts, which is that's exactly what you want yep. out of your starter in the postseason. Yeah. Like you can't ask for anything more. But Mitch Williams comes in and promptly decides to not win the game. <laughs> well, I saw this thing about Mitch where there because his, his nickname was the wild thing. Yeah. And they said that he had two pitches, which was a high 90s fastball, which, I mean, was great. And, oh, shit, get out of the way. Right. Like, that, he threw so many balls and walked so many, essentially, like, walked more than you ever see a relief pitcher should. Yeah. That, and that's when people are saying that's why you see Kurt going into the dugout and just start put a towel over. Because he <laughs> starts walking and throwing balls. He's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I bet it's just really jarring but man that's got to be horrible to look over and see kurt just being like a dickhead was his other pitch a slider or uh, yeah, it was, yeah a slider. it was a slider yeah we'll he get into his famous slider no. well and yeah, he never so. pitched from the stretch right. until the postseason he would yeah. always go from the windup he'd also end up in an almost laying face down position yeah. after yeah. every single pitch mechanically it was not <laughs> yeah. the prettiest it crazy. thing to yeah. watch as a baseball fan yeah. but he'd almost like literally throw himself onto the ground <laughs> yeah. it was um, but in the ninth inning, they also, in addition to bringing in Williams, they take Hollins out and put Kim Batiste in at third base. Oh, so, yeah, okay. so what happens is but then, okay, Bill Pakoda walks. Yeah. Mark Lemke hits a ground ball, a tailor-made 5-4-3 double play yep. to Batiste, who promptly throws the ball into right field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rafael Belliard has a sack bunt. And then um, a Nixon, a notice Nixon ground out ties the game, yep. heading into the top of the 10th. And... Uh, in the bottom of the t- or into the bottom of the ninth, the top of the tenth, they end up getting out of it um, with Mitch Williams. But then in the bottom of the tenth, Crucky gets a clutch double. Yep, sitting there on second base. And I remember who comes. Kim to Batiste big, yeah, yeah. comes to the plate and hits a ground ball down the line to score Crook from yeah, second. Redemption. So, yeah, definitely redemption. Oh man, I remember this. Now. These games that they win are yeah. just like you should have won that going away. Yeah, but they end up having the late game magic. I want to throw out, 
even though I wasn't a Braves fan, I always loved Mark Lemke. He gave every little leaguer hope that oh, they could right. one day make yeah. the majors because he looked like a he looked your, like Make a Wish, your English teacher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he looked like your English teacher, and he had That's tons good. of huge hits all the time in the playoffs. He was clutch yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah, and he always wore the uh, his baseball cap under the batting helmet <laughs> yeah. with the two ears because he was a switch yeah. hit. You don't see that anymore. Yep. Um, games two and three though are a bit of a slog for Philadelphia. You have Green versus Maddox in Game Two, and then Glavin versus Mulholland in Game Three. That one at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Um, game Two, the Braves scored two runs in the first, and then McGriff had a three-run homer, and they won that now, absolutely going away. Why did the Phillies have home field advantage here? With the that, worst well, see, that's what I couldn't it was figure just out. Flipped every year? I think it was just flipped west wow. to east every year, and then I remember in the mid '90s. Wild card teams wouldn't even if they had the wor- worst record. They'd host. Well, yeah, they would <laughs> a host games, which was insane. But yeah. b, they wouldn't play the team that won the division in their if own division. Were, yeah, that's yeah, why we got Red Sox, series. Yankees, uh, LCSs yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is crazy. Cool, to just think. refreshing my memory there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's but, like some of those English rules. It kind of like, shows yeah, how the, it's almost, e. yep. yeah, it's helpful though. Like maybe the Phillies don't win game one if it's in Atlanta and it's they true. don't have to fight. Yeah, so um, yeah, Lucky. They, <laughs> down two or uh, they were down eight to zero in game two and just couldn't catch up. They lost fourteen to three. Just got absolutely spanked. And most people were just, just writing Philadelphia off at that point. Yeah, like, yeah, especially just the way those two because like in the. First game, they kind of squeak it out, even though they should have kind of walked it away. Yep. Two, they kind of get beat. And then three, in game three, they get kind of handled. So, like, yeah. going into game four, everyone's just kind of like, all right. The, and especially, with, like what I was saying, the way the Braves were going into this, everyone was just kind of like, they're going to clean this up. But Yeah, because yeah, Glavin did a great job in game yep. three. They won nine to four. They didn't, um, they didn't have, like, they were, didn't have a deficit the entire time. Right. Like, in these games, it was just... We're handling it with our pitching that we're famous for. And who is Wollers their closer at this time? Wollers their closer. Okay. And, uh, I remember he's him. important in game five. Yeah. Um, but game four, they, I won't say they're lucky, but it's very fortuitous because <laughs> they have Danny Jackson on the mound for them starting the game. And if you don't know, Danny Jackson had already won a World Series in Kansas City. He was the guy in our Steve episode we talked about who won the game five in the LCS against the Blue Jays, who had started. And then he won game five against the Cardinals from our Ozzy Smith episode in that World Series as well when they were down 3-1 both times. And he was the MVP along with Deckinger. Oh, yeah, Dankinger, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, calling people out. My brother's a Cardinals fan, and he always will throw out the Haiti, his opinions on that. Series, but, yeah. It was clearly obvious he was <laughs> yeah. out. It was clearly up. And then in 1990, he was also on Cincinnati's yeah. staff when they won the World Series. So he's a gamer. He's experienced. And yeah, he knows, and they don't have yeah. a lot of guys on this roster with postseason experience. I think Duncan was with the Dodgers and the Reds as yeah. well with Danny Dykstra Jackson. And Met. Dykstra is yeah. a Met. That's yep. really all you had. Yep. But – it's Danny Jackson against um, uh, John Smoltz. Mm. And um, basically, the benefit of this is we don't have to listen to Smoltz's awful commentary during the game. That is also so. very true. <laughs> He's just talking to himself on the mound and yeah. is Leo Mazzoni's rocking back and forth in the dugout. Um, they, um, uh, in this game. Um, this is the day game. This is, yeah, no, no, no. This is the, um, this isn't the day game. This is a night game. Oh, okay. Actually. Right. Um, this is. Um, That's right. Uh, one where um, Danny Jackson also singles in a run to help wow. his team. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he basically was all over the place to help them win. How long does he pitch in the game? Uh, he went seven and two-thirds innings, nine nice. hits, allowed one run in this game. 
Wow. Which six strikeouts too for him, and he wasn't a big strikeout guy either. Yeah. So he it was more democratic. It was more democratic. More ground balls, getting it to uh, Kevin Stocker and Mickey Morandini up yeah, the middle right. for him. That's right. You know. You know, I remember in '94, the strike shortened year. Jackson was unhittable. He was just pitched so great. But yeah. Anyway. The, but they win the game two to one and tie the series, which is hugely important because oh, yeah. if you lose that game, Atlanta already stole one. There's one more game in Atlanta. Yep. And this yep. is the day game, Charles. This yes. is the uh, game five. I remember this game vividly. October 11th, 1993, in a chilling Avery round two electric boogaloo. And basically, Schilling does the exact same thing he did in game one. Yep. I mean, he's just absolutely firing bullets. <clears throat> he goes eight innings. And strikes out nine. Man. And they're up three to zero heading into the bottom of the ninth. And who comes in? Three Desch- zero. Desch- oh, man. Yeah. Now yeah. I know. Now I remember. Okay. And, and two on? Am I right? Uh-huh. With two on? Well, no, no, no. There's nobody on at the bottom of the ninth. Oh, oh, yeah. he's coming into the oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Mitch Williams comes in in the bottom of the ninth. Schilling. I thought he came in Get in the three outs yeah, before yeah. giving up three runs. I, That's yeah. his job. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. he'll go over what happened, and then I'll explain what was going oh, no, through my you, life. Say, no, 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 you're right. Chilling came <laughs> in, and he did put two on because okay. he walked Jeff Blauser. Yeah, that's then, what I thought. Um, in the eighth? Yeah, in the uh-huh. eighth. And Ron Gant hit another ground ball, or in the ninth, and Ron Gant hit another ground ball to Kim Batiste, who promptly threw it into right field. Yes, oh, that's what goodness. I thought. <laughs> yeah. So Williams comes in to put out the fire. And he's the late game defensive replacement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my that's what I couldn't back. figure out. Take, just leave Hollins in the game. Just leave him No. Um, so McGriff comes up, he singles, um, then there's a sack fly, um, a Pendleton single, a Francisco Cabrera single, and then after Bill Pacota flies out, it's 3-3 three to three in the top yeah. of the 10th. And Charles, you wanted to talk about this? What happened? Well, I remember this being a day game because I, I watched it right when I got home from school, and we're up 3 nothing heading into the ninth. You know how huge that is, going back to Philly up 3-2? Yeah. So it's my first experience as a young fan of... Seeing a game, you know, if you watch baseball for a while, you're all gonna, you're always gonna experience this at some point. Hopefully, not in the postseason. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember when the Braves tied it. I went to the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and started crying, <laughs> and started saying how much I hated Mitch Williams and I hated. <laughs> yeah. I probably was throwing Batista in there, and uh, but then I was in there getting myself together. I didn't want my dad to see me crying. I got very good news when I came out of the bathroom yeah. because what happened in the So next Atlanta brings in <laughs> yeah. their closer, yeah. Mark Wallers, who basically had one pitch, a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, yep. like a 100-mile-an-hour-plus fastball. He gets Mickey Morandini to fly out, and then Lenny Dykstra comes to the plate and just absolutely tattoos one into right center field. Yeah. And Harry Callis is called, oh, solo home run by the dude. <laughs> Crook used to always say he'd always bump uh, cigarettes off of Harry Callis. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It, yeah. But, Just the camaraderie, even with the announcer. That's well, the yeah. thing. It's like Lenny said he fucking, he partied with him before. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's And Lenny w- was saying, like, going into the at-bat, and even his teammates confirmed it, he was like, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm gonna do it. Man. Go out there and end this freaking game. Wow. We're gonna we're gonna go back to Philadelphia. And you can see Did him he had yelling. Another run too, or? Um, well, oh, it's important because yeah. they scored that third run off of a Dalton hit. Right. Because if they don't have that, the game is over yeah. in the ninth inning. Yeah. But they're up four to three, and then um, a Nixon flyout, a Blouser strikeout, and a Gantt strikeout oh, so end up saving run. the yeah. day. And they and go who, back. who pitched that final inning for Philly? It was Williams. 
Yeah, oh my Cam- god, yeah. what a weird era. We're leaving closer oh, to no, 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 no. Okay. Um, uh, they put in Anderson. Okay, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say, man, we should have maybe thought about Anderson against Toronto. <laughs> yeah. but, <I'll> just... <laughs> okay. but in uh, the uh, they go back to Philly a couple days later, October 13th, for game six, and yeah. it's again the clash of styles. You have Greg Maddox against Tommy Green, like the one established future Hall of Famer and this guy who came out of nowhere to have a career year. Yep. And it's a night game at Veterans Stadium. Everybody's going, because they're on the verge of clinching their first pennant in 10 years. Yeah. And in the bottom of the first, something very uh, good happens for Philadelphia. Mickey Morandini hits a comebacker through the pitcher's box that hits Maddox in the foot. Oh, okay. So Maddox stayed in the game, but he didn't have his normal, you know, Uh. precise and, you know, the expanded Atlanta strike zone of the 90s, as we all remember, (laughs) um, working for him. Yeah. But um, the Phillies are very lucky because they also are staked to a 2-0 lead off of a Darren Dalton double down the right field line. They get a big inning and a big lead. And Green is pitching effectively for them. He's doing yeah. a great job. Um, Atlanta pulls within two to one, but in um, Hollins hits a two-run homer in the top of the fifth. He's yeah. kind of the, like you said, the unsung hero of this yep. team to get a three-run lead for your bullpen, which is desperately needed yep. at this mm-hmm. point. I remember this night very well. I remember tag team, whoop, there it is. Yep, popular that was their, song. Yep. It was getting played throughout that, th- that night with fans singing along. One interesting thing I read in the uh, Macho Row book was their team theme song was Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. <laughs> oh, yeah. And all I can think of is Charlie Kelly dressed as Serpico. <laughs> There's your Spin Doctors mix. <laughs> so they're up four to one. And then yep. Morandini ices it with a two-run triple. Yeah. They're late in the game in the uh, uh, bottom of the sixth, I believe. Um, Blauser pulls him within six to three in the following frame with a two-run homer. Um, David West comes in in the eighth, though, and gets some three up, three down, which is sorely needed. Nice. And then Mitch Williams comes in the ninth, and because of the wild roller coaster season, gets three up, three down with a Pakota strikeout to win. Yep. And they literally, <laughs> David versus Goliath upset Atlanta incredibly. Yeah. yeah. And as a Philly fan in Tucson, the phone calls start rolling in from back east. Everybody's <laughs> celebrating. I remember that night very well. I remember also October 93, weird time, because uh, I remember watching a Blue Jays-White Sox and ALCS game, and they announced Michael Jordan is retiring. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so just throwing in, sprinkling yeah, in no, memories of that exact time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're off to the World Series, and who do they face? <laughs> a very, very good team. <laughs> Uh, uh, looking back, a really stacked Toronto Blue Jay yeah. team. Like you're just like, geez, yeah, these Padres. I mean, God Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I was growing up, my two favorite non-Tony Gwynn Padres were John Cruck and then the Blue Jays' future Hall of Fame second baseman Robbie Alomar. Yep. And also on this Blue Jay team was an outfielder from San Diego, Joe Carter, yep. who they had traded for a couple of years ago. And Toronto was the defending world champions yeah, from 92. John Olerud is raking. John Olerud won the batting yeah. title. They had that year, Toronto had their um, top three guys in the AL in batting average. It yep. was Olerud, uh, Molitor, and Alomar. Like top to bottom, they have great starting pitching, a solid bullpen. If it wasn't for the Yankees' emergence in the 90s, I feel like they're almost a forgotten, not necessarily dynasty, but just like... One, two in a row. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. It's like they were 
really good. Yeah. And, and what the team that you don't want to see is an offensive powerhouse with the relief pitching that right. the Phillies are and bringing. They just That's added the thing. Ricky Henderson. Yes, yeah. just people. just to get on base and screw you over. And their GM has to be recognized as one of the greatest yep. GMs ever, Pat Gillick, who ended up being GM of the Phillies in 08. A guy who I've read interviews where he's like, I cannot believe the rest of the league didn't realize how good Roberto yeah. Alomar was. He kept getting Alomar anywhere he, he would He go. had him in Baltimore. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Alomar was one of the most underrated players at that time for some reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he didn't spit on that umpire. Right. He's a fr- he was a, he made the Hall of Fame, but he would have been first ballot. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Arguably the best second baseman of his generation. But yeah. heading to the World Series. And again, it's the clash of styles. The business-like Blue Jays against the hard-partying, awesome Phillies. Yeah. I remember watching this thinking like, well, there are guys I like on both teams. Yeah. Like, who am I going to root for? <laughs> Um, which former Padre do I select? Yes, yeah. exactly. Which one? Which one? Just, yeah. it, you That's pick Dom's the name childhood. out of a damn hat. Oh, there, there are a <laughs> lot of reasons for my substance abuse. But uh, <laughs> World Series, uh, October 16th, it kicks off at Skydome because, well, the Blue Jays had a better record. And I think the World Series, when it, there wasn't any all-star game scenario like there is now. I think yeah, the team right. with the best record uh, goes out there. So the first uh, game is Juan Guzman, who had a very productive career in Toronto against Kurt Schilling. They roll out Schilling in game one. And uh, the Phillies get staked to an early lead in the top of the first with their Dykstra, uh, Dalton, and Kruk uh, combo. Yeah. yeah. Um, they go up two to zero. And Schilling looks like he's pit- pitching pretty well. I mean, he's kind of cruising through the game, you know, going through the lineup, do- doing a decent job. Um they end up uh, going up three to two on a uh, John Crook single, um, but in uh, what ends up happening is Toronto fights back, and in the bottom of the fifth, Devon White hits a solo homer off of Schilling to tie it at four. Yeah, and the Blue Jays were so stacked that Al Leiter, who was starting on World Series and pennant-winning teams in the mid-90s, was one of their middle relievers. Yeah. Like, David Wells was also in that mix uh, the previous season, and he really shuts down Philadelphia to the point where Toronto can come back and start getting after Schilling. Yeah. Um, They end up winning this game 8-5 to because their offense just – Alomar, Molitor, Carter, White. I mean, top to bottom, it's all-stars. Yeah. Or a future Hall of Famer or two. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Um, so they're down 1-0, to zero, but Philly's not out of this. Nope. Philly's not out of this. Going to game two, and it's Dave Stewart versus Terry Mulholland. Dave Stewart. Uh, former Philly. Former My Philly. I hated Dave Stewart. Yeah. Every time oh, we yeah. faced Dave Stewart, I heard, this motherfucker never pitched well for us. <laughs> And then he goes on to be like a Cy Young. For he resurrected his career in <laughs> yeah. Oakland, yeah. and he had not lost a postseason game yeah. up to that point. It's almost yeah. as if when he got to Oakland, somebody maybe on the A's had something that helped his strength. Magic and, pills. Magic <laughs> pills, yeah. He got those magic beans uh, yeah. from the Bash Brothers. Should have stayed a little bit more in Philly. Lenny could have hooked him up, but don't worry about Sorry it. Sorry for my cursing there, but Please it, curse this more. This is what curse I heard. as much as My dad like. loathed Dave Stewart. I'm <laughs> sure. It's the worst when you see somebody get traded, and you're like, oh, now you're going to play? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. someone someone decided to care. Pardon yeah. me, your <laughs> yeah. majesty. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a pitcher's duel into the top of the third. Uh, Dexter walks. Um, then there's a wild pitch. Duncan walks. Crux singles him home. And then Eisenreich hits just an absolute monster dinger off of Stewart, off a yeah. of fork ball. And they score three more runs to go up 5-0, to zero, which – you're thinking, this shouldn't be happening. Terry Mulholland <laughs> being yep. Dave Stewart? Like, this is absolutely nuts. Um, 
This is, um, they head into the um, bottom of the eighth with Mason in. Molitor doubles, and then Williams comes in after a Carter strikeout. A Molitor steals third base, and then Olrood singles him, uh, gets a sack fly to close the gap to within six to four. So Toronto, that's the thing you find out about. The, Toronto just never gives up. Right. Like, they, they're just like, well, our talent will probably win out yeah. at yeah. some point. Um, but Williams comes in, and Williams is in the game. Alomar gets a walk, steals second base because Mitch can't hold anybody on base. Yeah. But he makes probably the play of the series for him when he picks Alomar off a of second base trying to steal third. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. That. Yeah, he gets him in a rundown, picking him off, and it basically saves the game for Philly to win 6 4. Yeah. Like, it was. That's huge. Yeah, it was just a crazy set of events because you're thinking, oh, they're going to get to him. I was going to say, they're starting to rally and like he steals second and then you're thinking, well, Williams is on the on the bag. Yeah, so. When you listen to these games described, it really is what people are talking about with like, now it's like home runs and strikeouts. Yeah. Then it was hits and walks and and scoring. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of action on the base paths. Yeah. Yeah. Different era of baseball. Yeah. Hopefully the new rule changes make it more watchable. Yeah. I agree. Um, but Philly does what they need to do, though, as the road team. They steal one. They steal one on the road, yep. heading into game three. Um, veteran stadium going absolutely insane. And this is Pat Henkin, who eventually won a Cy Young for Toronto, I think, in 96. Oh, wow. Yeah, against uh, – and he's like a rookie this season, too. And uh, Danny Jackson. Unfortunately for the Phillies, this isn't the night that Jackson has it. Right. Um, Toronto's bats basically just come out. Yep. And destroy them. Uh, they go up three to nothing in the top of the first. Yeah. Um, no matter how hard Philadelphia keeps trying, um, they end up just getting completely ass blasted and lose ten to two because yep. Henkin works out of a first. The only time they touched him was that first inning when he loaded the bases, but he gets out of that jam, and Toronto yeah. ends up just cruising. Still, just counts as one loss, just like game two in the NLCS. Yes. We're gonna get into game four. I'm gonna hide under the table here. <laughs> I was just gonna say this is the game four. So Game 4, if, if you don't know, is <laughs> arguably one of the most insane World Series games ever played. Yeah. It features everything but pitching. Yeah. I think it has, I think, every like statistical check mark you could have except pitching. Yeah. I mean, the pitchers, it, you know, kind of shitty. Yeah. Let's just R- be run honest. Run through it. Let me see if I remember my emotions with highs and lows. So this is, so Toronto, they had a three-man rotation in the um, ALCS. They go to a four-man rotation for the um, World Series. Ah. They pitch Todd Stottlemyer against Tommy Green. Okay. And in the top of the first, this is just a preview of kind of the craziness. And it's a <laughs> cold kind of rainy, because it's raining on and off at Veterans Stadium. Yeah. Henderson doubles. White gets a walk. Um, and then a Carter single with the bases loaded and two outs. Then you have a Molitor walk and a Fernandez single to make the game three to nothing. Philadelphia counters in the bottom of the first yep. yeah. by scoring four runs, yep. including a Milt Thompson triple with the bases loaded. <laughs> in the bottom of the second, Dykstra hits a two-run home run to go up five to three or uh, six to three. Yeah. And then in the uh, top of the second. Um, this was uh, after Stottlemyre walked, tried to advance to third on an Alomar single and got gunned down by Dykstra. And I don't know if you've ever seen the video, but he cuts his lip 
on the infield dirt sliding into third base. Yeah. So they left him in the game pitching, and the bandage falls off. It looks like he has just this huge <laughs> gash, and blood's rolling. So everywhere. there's a hit to the outfield, and he's trying to advance yeah. to second, and he's thrown out. Well, no, no, no. He's on, He's oh. advancing from first to third because Alomar hits one. You American know. League pitcher trying to go first. Uh, National <laughs> League. <yeah. laughs> wow. Oh yeah, it was different bad. Era. Yeah, different era. Um, the game goes. It's just lead change after lead change because then yep. it's six to three, then it's seven to six, yep. then it's seven to seven. But the you think Philadelphia has it in the bag yeah. when they put up five <laughs> runs after another Dalton home run and a Dykstra home run. Yep. You're thinking, okay, it's twelve to seven. Yeah. I also remember, uh, I think the Eagles weren't having a good year, and I remember the announcers saying the Phillies have outscored the Eagles this week. Oh, oh yeah. Like Poor Eagles. Randall yeah. Cunningham. <laughs> so it's 12-7 to 7 in the bottom of the fifth. The top of the um, sixth, uh, white double and Alomar single basically cut the deficit to 12-9. to 9. Yep. And then in the bottom of the sixth, Hollins has a double, Thompson has a single, and then it's 13 to nine. It's 13 to nine. And then it's 14 to nine when, in the bottom of the seventh, when Duncan gets a hit, Crook and Hollins get walked, and then Dalton gets hit by pitch with the bases loaded. It's 14 to nine. Yeah. It's 14 to nine. You're thinking they've tied the series. Everything is going to go all right. And the bases are still loaded, though, so they do get out of that. Yeah, they got out of it. Okay. Uh, Tony Castillo was pitching for the Blue Jays there. Yeah. And then in the top of the eight, they bring in Larry Anderson. Okay. They bring in Anderson (laughs) because they're not trusting in Mitch. Mind you, both starters I don't think lasted two innings. Right. Um, Alomar grounds out to start the inning. (laughs) Carter hits a single. Olerud walks. You want. So you have runners on first and second with one out, mm-hmm. and Paul Motter, who has absolutely been crushing Philadelphia pitching, starter yep. or bullpen all series, hits a ground ball, and it's not particularly sharply this game's hit. in Philadelphia, yeah. so that means they started him over Olerud at first, right? That was the big controversy because yeah. people were you're sitting down the guy who won a batting title? It's like, well, right. this guy's going to the Hall of Fame one day. Got to yep. give it to Cito Gaston. That's well, a good move. Yeah. yeah. Because of what Molitor does here. Well, <laughs> it's not necessarily what Molitor does. It's what Dave Hollins does because oh, okay. he hits a ground ball down the third baseline. There's Kim Batiste like, with the, <laughs> yeah. He would have thrown it into right field. Yeah. It's, it's just a chopper on that old astroturf and Hollins is kind of backing up awkwardly and he misplays it and it rolls into left field yeah then he misplays the ground ball so Carter scores and this is when they bring in Williams to me they probably should have just stuck with Anderson but yeah for Tony Fernandez who was also a former Padre (laughs) traded away for nothing and back in Toronto gets an traded for the dryer yeah traded for the dryer because you got to have that combo um he has an RBI single. Pat Borders, the previous year's World Series MVP, walks. They get Ed Sprague. He strikes him out. But then Ricky Henderson, because it's an embarrassment of riches, comes in. <laughs> yep. Two-run single. And then Devon White follows with a two-run triple. Alomar bats again and grounds out. Oh they batted goodness. around in the inning to take a 15. They scored six runs to take a 15-14. to 14 And it's crazy to think that Alomar grounded out twice in this rally. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Everything he was, in between. Yep. Just getting that first out was huge. Like, That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a shit sandwich. I, I realize now I blocked the specifics of that out of my mind since that happened. When that I was, rewatched this shit, I'm like... Yeah. No wonder Jim Fergosi took up smoking again during yeah. this season. 
I mean, it makes complete and total sense. Yeah. Well, I just know going back or after this game, Williams had death threats. Yeah. So, and that's, you know what? That's, that's the Philly fans, yeah. you know? Philly fanatic. You the suck. Frenetic? is fine. Yeah. You blew it. Don't threaten to kill the guy. Jeez. Some guy in a green bodysuit showed up at his door. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, the bottom of the ninth, um, uh, Dwayne Ward is in the Blue Jays' closer. Uh, Duncan pops out, Crux strikes out, and then Hollins flies out. It was actually the longest World Series game ever played wow. in terms of time. Um, they talked to Crux after the game, and he's like, I don't know how the hell we lost that. He's, I'm sure. Like, yeah. He was like 14 to 9, thought it was in the bag. Man. Thought it was in the bag. But they do have hope. Philadelphia has hope in game five, and it comes in the form of Kurt Schilling. Yep. Was it delayed a game, a day? Due to rain? Uh, Misremembering. No, uh uh-uh. They played the next night at Veterans Stadium. He's all the started late due to rain. Yeah. Okay. Uh And it's Guzman against Schilling for the second time. And in my opinion, this is the greatest World Series non-clinching, pinching performance I've ever seen by Kurt Schilling. Like, people always talk about him in Arizona and then later Boston. This to me, is you the game. You look at the lineup he's facing and yes. what he did. Yeah. So I'll, I was going to go over the lineup here because it's either of how him or Cliff Lee in Game One against the Yankees. That the also was the two greatest uh, oh, pitching yeah. performances I've seen from a Philly in a postseason game. But yeah. Ricky Henderson leading off, greatest leadoff hitter ever, Hall of Fame. Devon White, three-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover. Roberto Alomar, Hall of Fame. Joe Carter, five-time All-Star, 396 career homers. John yeah. Olerud, batting title, two-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove. Paul Molitor, Hall of Fame. Tony Fernandez, five-time All-Stars, four-time Gold Glover. Pat Borders, the 92 World Series MVP. Yeah. And because it's a National League Park, Juan Guzman. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, they can't all be winners, can they? Right. Schilling goes into the game and completely – it's like the be, It's like game one in Atlanta. Yep. Mm-hmm. He completely shuts him down. He gives up a walk to Alomar in the top of the first, but – in the bottom of the first, and this is really crucial for Philadelphia, they need to score runs. Yeah. And Guzman's a tough, you know, forkball type of pitcher at this stage of his career. A Dykstra walk, then he gets a stolen base, and then um, get, advances to third on a bad throw by Pat Borders into center field, and Crux singles him in for 1-0. And that's all Philadelphia would need in this game yep. because of how incredible that Kurt Schilling was. Um, throughout the game, six strikeouts. He throws 147 pitches. Could you imagine a pitcher doing that now? I, w- I would like to see them try more. Yeah, the no. Phillies, you know, anyway. It, 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 Zach Wheeler, seems like, give him a shot, but yeah. Well, I saw he was wearing a pin after the, the last game. It was, uh, I survived Mitch Williams game yeah. uh, game four. Because at then, this point, he's pissing Williams off. Too. Wow. Well, and they were like, Hey, do you think that's appropriate or says something? He just goes, well, Mitch uh, gave it to me. And then they were like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and then in this game, they asked him about it, and he was just like, no, no, no I was going to complete that game. Yeah. And they did. he didn't say, like, I was going to let Mitch come. He was just like, I was going to finish that game. Yeah. They Friday did. night game, I remember. Huge. Yep. Gave um, us hope. Uh, the bottom of the second, Philadelphia scores again. Um, Dalton has a leadoff double. Um, uh, and then... Uh, I believe uh, Eisenreich advanced him, and then uh, Stocker ends up scoring yeah. him. And that was the only offense that, because outside of those two play or those two innings, Guzman is shutting him down yeah. too. So this is a pitcher's duel to end all pitchers' duel. And until the top of the eighth <laughs> inning, Toronto had not advanced a base runner past second. Yeah, amazing with that lineup. 
I mean, that's just crazy. And in the top of the eighth, Schilling ends up getting in a bit of a jam. Willie Kenyatta's pitch running at third base. Yeah. They get the slow tapper back to him, and they catch him in that rundown, and that ends all hope. And they had talked yeah. about when Schilling came into the dugout after that inning, he's looking around and going, I got to finish this. Yeah. We can't send it back to the bullpen. Yeah. Um, you guys know who Zach Hampel is, the guy that yeah, coaches? Yeah. Uh-huh. He actually, uh, I saw recently, he went to that game and he's posted a video, a home video. Did he really? Like oh. rainy, that's how I remembered it was delayed because he's there yeah. for the rain delay and uh, it's kind of cool footage just to see from a fan's perspective. Yeah. And he's of him so when he was like. His, uh, yeah, right. so annoying. Yeah. No offense, Hampel, if you watch this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, goes out for the top of the ninth, gets a Carter fly out to the infield. Yep. Olrud ground out. And Molitor ends up flying out to Dykstra. Nine innings pit. I mean, a complete game shutout. That's, yeah. But that's the type of mentality I feel like this team had. Just like, we're not out of it. We're never yeah. out of this. If we get some starting pitching, we can do this. I remember uh, I was still nervous about how it would go, but I was happy. He ended it quick. I could flip over and watch Boy Meets World that Friday night. And, yep. Uh, get your Topanga you know. <laughs> Lawrence on. Yeah. No? Yeah. So... so they, but that's the thing. They have to go back to Toronto yep. for the last two games of the series. Yep. Um, October 23rd, 1993. They didn't go scared, and they didn't play that way. They so didn't. We'll get into no, game six. No. Uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, because it's Stewart versus Mulholland, um, Toronto ends up getting an early lead, and it's in the bottom of the first um, where uh, White walks, Molitor hits a double, Carter gets a sacrifice, Oleru doubles, and then Alomar singles to get him up 3 nothing. Wow. They were ne- but that's the thing. They were never out of it. They were right. never out of these games. Yep. It's crazy. I mean, they're down 3-0 to zero on the top of the fourth, but an Eisenreich single gets them back to 3-1. to one. Bottom of the fourth, though, Alomar doubles, uh, advances on a Fernandez ground out, and then a Sprague sack fly pushes the lead to three again. Yep. In the... Um, Let's see. Bottom of the sixth, um, Alomar has a leadoff single, but they end up getting out of the jam here. And then the top of the seventh is when Philly finally starts to turn it on. Dykstra pops one, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. This is the yep. this is the inning where yeah. Stalker walks, Morandini singles, and then Dykstra ties the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know. We talked much about Kevin Stalker. He came up at the end of the year and yeah. played great defense and had some big hits. Just throwing that out. Interesting, there. Interesting, Ken. Gift that keeps giving because he then gets us Bobby. I, Bobby I was going to say that interesting <laughs> yeah. tidbit. Yeah, he yeah. got traded for a Bray. What was it? Larry Boa was always a fan of his because he was yeah. like a shortstop just like him. Yep. Like good defense, not a lot of power, but just one of the guys. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the rest of the yep. team. There, so the game is so tied. Did Dykstra hit two in this game, or is... he just hit the one? Okay. Um, okay. So it's tied at five after right. a Holland single. Um, but what ends up happening is Dalton walks. Eisenreich um, hits a chopper to Danny Cox, who they put in the game. That just kind of dies in the middle of the infield. Yeah. And um, there's uh, they end up taking a uh, lead six to five on an Incavelia sack fly. Um, later, so they're up six to five heading into the seventh, and you're thinking, get to a game seven, yep. get to a game seven, damn it! Yep. And to the bullpen's <laughs> credit, they held this lead. Yeah, they held this lead with um, Roger Mason and Larry Anderson. The problem was with Anderson in the bottom of the eighth. Toronto doesn't score any runs, but because guys 
at the bottom of their order, like Tony Fernandez and Ed Sprague and Pat Borders get to bat, it turns the lineup over for the ninth inning. Yeah. So Anderson gets out of the jam unscathed, but you're heading into the top of the or the bottom of the ninth after scoring no runs yeah. in the top of the ninth <clears throat> with Ricky Henderson, Devon White, Paul Molitor yeah. out yep. the gate. And you've got a, the Phillies had a fighting mindset. You know the Blue Jays are sitting there saying we can win this, and then I have to catch Mitch Wood. Don't put don't put any of your other relievers right. in. Just put look how you're supposed to. Yep. And there's what was talk that by that point in the season, Williams had thrown so much because he had I think 43 saves that mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Is he had lost some velocity on his fastball and, and maybe were, some control. Yep. And they were well. Was control ever there, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Control is never the issue. I wonder if Fergosi thought about getting creative, like like you see now, like uh, like not to bring up bad memories for you, but in Suarez, the NLCS, yeah. we used Ranger Suarez oh, yeah. to close it out smart. on short rest after starting. Maybe throw Danny Jackson in there. Why you not? Know, I don't know. Well, I think he had pitched a bad game in Game Three, but he would have been the next day starter. I think. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's no tomorrow. There is no <laughs> That's tomorrow. True. As no they tomorrow. would learn. Yeah. As we will get into the bottom of this. So time. Mitch Williams comes in, and I had talked about how they were tweaking not only with his mechanics, but also having him pitch from the stretch to hold runners on. Yeah. So he's facing the greatest leadoff hitter in Major League Baseball history out the gate. And you know he's licking his chops. And I believe he also is number one in MLB history in walks because of how great his plate discipline was. And I believe Williams walks him on about four pitches that are nowhere near the zone. Yeah, he walks Henderson on four pitches. And when he gets on, uh, the Toronto crowd's going nuts. He does get Devon White on a flyout. He does get him, and you're thinking, oh, man, game seven, here we go. Yeah. Might have seen Schilling pitch in game seven. Who knows if he (laughs) – but, well, he's pitching from the stretch. Paul Molitor singles to put two guys on with one out. Yeah. The game-winning run is now on first base in the form of Paul Molitor. And coming to bat is Joe Carter, who, like I said before, 396 career dangers. He had a hell of a career. He was a – for, I'd say for like a seven, eight season stretch, he was 30 home runs, 100 RBIs a year. You could just lock it in. Yep. And he's pitching to Carter, gets the count to two and two, embarrassed him earlier in the at-bat with a slider and says, I'll throw him another one. I'll throw him another slider. <laughs> and a 2-2 pitch, he corks it into the left field corner for a yep. three-run dinger to win the game, eight to six. Just kill all those Philly kill hopes. all those fans' hopes and dreams. How'd yep. you feel about that, Charles? Honestly, it wasn't as bad. Like I talk about crying during the Braves one, yeah. we ended up yeah. winning. I was kind of um, it, it probably looking back to for how bad Williams had been. It wasn't a shock. I think I remember when we walked Henderson, my dad saying we're going to lose. Probably <laughs> like you know, um, I was just kind of a little numb, and then over the days, you know, realized it was an amazing season. Yeah, similar to how things just ended in twenty twenty two for the kind of yeah. like when I watched yeah. Bryce Harper hit that home yeah. run, just like wow. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Mitch Williams has gotten a lot of shit for it, and that's a shame because he got 43 saved, helped, helped us get there. He, he wasn't a, every guy, it seemed like. He was what down. he was. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, up and down the 25-man roster, they got something from everybody this yeah. season. Yes. Like, and guys in different positions and just a group of guys who congealed for one year yeah. to put it all together. And you were thinking, man, what could they do yeah. in the future? It's only the second time ever the World Series ended on a walk-off, right? Yeah. And there hasn't been one since. No. Uh-uh. That's what stinks about it. It gets replayed. Yeah. All the time. Game six against the Astros. Yep. The Phillies are up one nothing, and they play that. And I'm like, why do you got to play that coming back from commercial? 
Like, why? It's just a yeah. nut, it's just salt in the wound of yeah. a fan. You're so I'm hoping like, somebody else can do a damn walk off in the world. Yeah, they can start showing that person. somebody new. Yeah, it was a uh, Mitch Williams. I saw him talking about the pitch, and he was like, "You gotta blame Joe Carter." Son of a bitch hit a home run. Don't yeah. blame me. Yeah. He's like, I threw the pitch and he hit it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so coming off of 93, you're hoping that good times would be ahead for Philadelphia, but yeah. they find themselves with the Braves in their same division who are continuing their streak. Um, and the Expos in And 94. the Expos yep. in 94. And it doesn't matter anyway in 94. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter at all. Uh, no, I do. What stuck in my car, we had a better closer, I think, for every year after. I think we had Heathcliff Slocum had a great year as closer. <laughs> Ricky Vitalico did a great job closing. Uh, Steve Bedrock Bedrosian. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me who Vaughn Hayes is. <laughs> We just needed one more reliever. That's what's crazy to yeah. upset the Blue Jays. If we had one more reliever, maybe we could have done it. You know, um, from '94 to 2000, I wrote this down. They finished yeah. last three times. They yeah. never won above 77 games, and they had Terry Francona as their manager. Yep, in this. and he gets fired after 2000, losing mm-hmm. 100 games. Yep. Um, but they but, luckily drafted well. They drafted yes, they Scott Rowland, Jimmy Rollins, Pat Burrell during that time. A good second baseman yeah. in the mold of Roberto Alomar yeah. when their GM is. Yeah, and then in the ensuing years, they draft Hamels, Utley, Howard. That's an amazing run of draft picks, you know. Cole Hamels from Rancho Bernardo. Yeah. I thought I'd <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Why? You have so much talent even around yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but then they start reeling them off. In 06, they almost make the playoffs. Yeah. 07, they win the NL East after a wonderful Mets collapse. Yeah. I mean, that was comical. It very similar to this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> sorry, oh, Dave. Marcos. Sorry, Dave. But it was. I mean, don't. I mean, Scherzer should not have been throwing those pitches. Um, but then from 28 to 2011, they experienced pretty much a mini dynasty. Yeah. In the NL, they're Couldn't the NL's best team. Couldn't have the second world title, unfortunately, but yeah. And I blame the Padres again for 2010. <laughs> yep. Letting the Giants I bl- I, in. I blame everything for 2010. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they win in 08. They win a pennant in 09. Yep. 2010 is that Giants year where Kane and Lincecum were electric. And then 2011, that, I, I don't care for St. Louis and watching them lose that. We let them in. We swept yeah. the Braves to close yeah. the year. Don't let them in. I know. Don't let them I in, damn it. And all I can see is Ryan Howard struggling out of the batter's box. Yeah, it was a brutal end to a great run and for the Phillies. Then they had kind of one of those other gaps up yeah. until this past year Yeah, where they broke my heart so much. <laughs> they went all in with that group, though. They I did. I can't blame them. No, hell no. They kept Absolutely. trading young talent. And that young talent didn't turn out to be much. No. Carlos Carrasco is probably the best guy we traded yeah, away. exactly. To accumulate Lee and all those guys. So yeah. No, I mean, that, that, it's a testament to that organization, how well they've yeah. done. And 93, mm-hmm. though, is just the magic year. Yeah. I mean, even though Everything that went right in 93 didn't happen again. The guys didn't stay healthy. You know, certain guys didn't step up anymore. You know, poor Schilling is saddled. He would definitely be a Hall of Famer. Aside from his attitude and all that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he was on a better team in the late nineties, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, because he's like he's just marooned on this Phillies island of nothing. <laughs> he's borderline Hall of Famer with his stats regular season. Then yeah. you go postseason, you're like he's he in, should be, and then you're seeing well QAnon level shit on social right. media, and you're like, hey, buddy, just yeah. sit the next couple of plays out. Yeah, don't but. say everything that creeps up into your head. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, that's our episode well, ninety-three Phillies. Here, yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, fun, man. man. Yeah, um, I'm down anyth- to come back for anything. Anything you, you awesome. want to add about shows and stuff? Because Charles does comedy here in town with us. 
Just nothing. Uh, Got nothing. All right. <laughs> all right. I like that. Thank you all. All right. Thanks.